Welcome to the We Talk Careers podcast brought to you by Women in ETFs. This is Christine Delano, and I'm thrilled you've joined me. Twice a month, we'll meet an amazing executive who'll share a story about her career and give us some great insight into her success. So if you are pursuing excellence in your own career or intrigued by the hustle required for a career on Wall Street, this podcast is for you. If you haven't yet, please take a moment to subscribe. Survival is essential. Success is great. But what does it mean to thrive? We've compiled the most popular and compelling advice from our guests and created a Thrive Guide with a workbook on leadership skills such as clarifying your vision and growing your influence. You can grab it at christinedelano.com. To find out more about our show and our guests, I invite you to follow me on Instagram. All these links will be in the show notes. So put aside that massive to-do list and let's get inspired. Risky Business, How to Take the Right Career Risk. In this episode, we are talking to Britta Ackman. How do we intelligently shape our careers and achieve lasting financial independence? It sounds daunting, but Britta is here to take us through her approach and encourage us to balance risk and reward. Britta Ackman is the Chief Risk Officer at Flow Traders and a member of their management board. Britta leads the risk, compliance, operations, and legal departments, approximately 15% of the global staff. Prior to joining Flow Traders, Britta led the business implementation efforts at Deutsche Bank. She started her career in banking in New York at J.P. Morgan, where she held various roles, structuring and trading a broad range of derivative products. Britta holds an MBA from Carnegie Mellon University and a master's in mathematics from Syracuse University. Britta is the proud mom of almost 18-year-old twin girls. In her spare time, Britta is an avid reader and a hot yoga enthusiast. On the creative side, Britta enjoys sewing and designing garments. Britta is joining us from Amsterdam. Welcome, Britta, to We Talk Careers podcast. Thank you, Christine. I'm really excited to be here with you. And this is probably a very interesting introduction for me. Most of the time, uh, you know, people don't highlight my personal interest that much. And now I'm feeling slightly ashamed, so to speak, or or not ashamed, but uh, slightly exposed that people know so much about me. Oh, no, I think it's fantastic. I I love that we're all such well-rounded women, right? You know, we can we can be assertive in our careers and do so many technical things. And it's really fun to share what we love and the hobbies that we do and in our family. So thank you for sharing with us. We are talking about career risk today. And so I would love for you to share a story right up front on kind of what career risk means to you. The first time I really started noticing that I was taking career risk or that I was, uh, you know, thrown into roles that implied career risk was around the last financial crisis. So we had just moved to London. This is now London 2010. And a former colleague of mine had already made the move from trading into market risk management, and he needed someone uh, to assist him with the stress testing for for the firm. So this was at RBS. He hired me into RBS to build out the market risk stress testing. And what I did not realize at the time was that uh, it wasn't a well-coveted job. 
it wasn't really a role that a lot of people were fighting for. <laughs> um, and I only noticed that clearly years into it when I, when I realized how much uphill battle it was uh, to build out the function and really set it up. But I've noticed that at the time that, uh, well, I've came in and it was like a green grass or a blue sky, I guess you say in English, right? A green field, blue sky sort of uh, endeavor that there wasn't a lot of thinking that had gone into what actually needs to be done. And I had to really start from scratch, you know, basically reading the regulations, figuring out what they wanted from us, figuring out the kind of tools we had, what sort of data we had, uh, what do we need to do by when and come up with a plan. And I was sort of thrown into this and it was a bit of a sink and swim situation. And initially, of course, uh, what do you do? You know, you do the what, what you already know from my previous employer, JP Morgan. I knew how we did stress testing there. And I tried to set up something similar at, at RBS. Uh, but also now with the regulation looking more at it, there was more precision sort of, let's say, required to that. I didn't even notice it at the time right away, right? I only noticed it in retrospect, that I was thrown into something that was not very popular. And it took a lot of uphill battle to set it up. And uh, the good news was what I had pushing sort of in the back, the, the wind sort of in my sails was the regulation and the super senior management. But everyone in the middle was not my friend at the time, right? So mm. uh, it was quite interesting. And uh, I observed that as like, uh, it's like, that's interesting. After I left, this had become a real job, so to speak, uh, mm. or real function, became like a cottage industry for us in, in risk management. And I looked around me and I saw so many men take this job after me. I don't think uh, in RBS there has been another sort of lady head of stress testing, market risk stress testing since I left. Mm. So that's why I was saying like um, sometimes you're given lemons and then you make lemonade. And one of the things is I encourage always young women to take these opportunities that you're thrown at and maybe you're scared of initially because you don't know what to do. But what is the worst that can really happen to you, right? The worst is, that can happen is that you learn something on the way that you maybe didn't like it, something that you're not good at, and then you know what not to do. And you're learning also like what are the things that you enjoy doing and what you're going to look at your next role. Right. And you're also learning about the market too. Like what are these types of careers that maybe don't exist yet? Correct. And you're sort of trailblazing. Yes. And Christine, and that is actually super relevant, I think, for the new generation, right? Because I mean, when I look at my daughters, they're almost 18. They struggle with what to study at university, right? And I also think like, yeah, it's difficult to advise them because we're going to so much disruption. So, okay, 2010, you know, stress testing was maybe not the most innovative job, but it was definitely something that was a, was a growing industry within risk management. And the same translates for our kids now. There are so many new jobs coming up. Oh, for example, podcasting, right? Mm. That is a new role, isn't it? I don't yes. think, I think we in, in 2010 or maybe before 20, uh, 2000, we only had radio shows, maybe TV shows. Right. I think podcast was not yet on the horizon or, or not the way it is right now. Yes. And I think those things change. And 
going after your strengths with that. I remember, you know, over four years ago, my daughter started university and she wanted to go into public health, which then was sort of this blip, right? You know, it's like, oh, it's interesting. She's passionate about it, just the way she thinks about data, the way she thinks about health and populations and all of that. And then we have a global pandemic and all of a sudden public health becomes, you know, on everybody's mind and talked about everywhere. And so I do think that there's this really interesting juxtaposition of sort of understanding where things are going and what are your strengths as a person. So I I love that idea of taking risk in different areas and different places that maybe aren't as established career paths. I agree. It's it's, uh, particularly, I would say, when you're given these opportunities, please do not shy away from them. The only time I would say I would shy away from them because I'm going through that right now. I'm in my early 50s. So I'm, I'm thinking about career risks myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought about sort of the risk of taking my current role when I was sort of just in my uh, you know sort of late 40s. And I thought, okay, Britta, this is probably the last time you can take a really big career risk. And the reason I'm saying that is because and maybe this is just in my industry, but I saw a lot of women, first of all, the women disappear in their mid-30s when they have children. And then women disappear again after 50. I mean, men also disappear after 50. I think the only time I would allow myself probably to take a career risk sort of in a later stage of my career is if I have accumulated enough financial security, Mm. (laughs) you know, because then you can allow yourself to do that. But I think if you are dependent on your job, then I would try to say experiment in your career in the 20s, 30s, 40s. And then uh, hopefully in your 50s, you found out where where you're good at and then find a home maybe for the last part of your career. So Britta, I was you know, excited to see you come on to this podcast as a chief risk officer. I think you give a very interesting perspective on how we think about sort of career opportunity and career risk. We've had a number of people talk about different career transitions and different ways of looking at your career from a place of strength or a place of skill. But I would love for you to really help us define career risk. You know, what does that actually mean to you when you think about it in a perspective of risk management? If you think about it, there are different types of career risks, right? And I think we sometimes not even aware that we're taking a risk when we're actually taking a risk. But for example, if an analyst moves from one firm to the other, there is a high chance that that analyst will lose its top rankings. And the question is, are they aware that that is actually a risk that will happen to them? And the reason is that they have an environment that supports them in their current employer. So moving roles, moving to a competitor, even in the same role, can be a career risk. Uh, Moving internally or externally to a slightly different role forms a career risk as well, which is, we don't know it. Every time you introduce change in some way, it is a career risk that you're taking. What I would say is it's not so much 
being afraid of the risk. That's the thing. It's like be aware of the risks that you're taking and maybe try to mitigate them. So that's also technically what risk management is all about, right? It's not about avoiding risk. It's about taking risks that you understand and you know what you're doing. You're going in with open eyes and you know how you're mitigating the risk. So I would say almost any action, quite frankly, Christine, actually inaction in your career is also a risk. Mm. As you probably know, when people stay in their role or in their job for a very long time, maybe at the same employer for many, many years, they sometimes are paid under market. So everything is a risk. Question is just how you manage them. And I love that idea of sort of excavating the risk in your career. So like sitting back and saying, okay, have I moved too much? Have I moved too little? If I do decide to move in a role, what are the things that change substantially in my environment, in the culture, in the people that are there to support me, in my ability to get up to speed very quickly. You know, I really appreciate what you said about taking a look at career risk is not somehow avoiding the risk. It's really just understanding it and then finding ways in which you take that risk and and turn it into an opportunity and then find ways to mitigate the things that could go wrong. Right? Yep. I totally agree with you. I think maybe a couple of things for everyone to look out because, you know, in my sort of 24 years of working in financial services, uh, I would say I've kind of learned a few things of what was really important. And I think particularly for women, it is very, very important that you join a firm where the culture suits you, where the ethical values and uh, the in general, their values are aligned with yours. The other thing that I think is very, very important and, and generally underrated is, will you have enough sponsorship? Mm. And I know that a lot of people are shy to ask for that, particularly when you're interviewing. You know, it's like you, you may be uh, not seeing that this is actually a two-way interview. Yes, you're also interviewing them. And in those interviews, you need to get also the feeling that you're going to be working with people that will be supporting and sponsoring your career. Absolutely. I I think that's such a good reminder. We've had a couple of episodes that have mentioned sponsorship and then one recently where we, we delved into how to really think about sponsorship in your career. And we will put a link to that in the show notes. I, I also think that maybe an unsung uh, risk that sometimes we don't excavate enough in our life is sort of the, this sort of logistical aspects of our career. So what's going to be required, especially now where we've been sort of working from home and now going into the office and, you know, what are all the things as sort of the, the world changes in terms of how we work? Um, what is the company going to require of us logistically? It's very interesting, Christine, that you are bringing that up uh, because I'm actually quite concerned uh, for women in the aftermath of the uh, of the pandemic, because I think uh, a lot of people were able to work from home and are hoping to continue working from home. And I also know that particularly, let's say, uh, for some minorities, supposedly, I mean, I've read the research, it is it is almost it's nicer, less stressful to work from home because they are avoiding microaggressions at work. You know, and I I think uh, a lot of women will fall also in that camp where they will want to work maybe more from home. And I worry that this is actually going to derail their careers or slow down their careers. 
and and we are yet again being put on a mommy track you know mm -hmm. so basically working from home is the new like what uh working part-time was if, if you know what i mean right because yes. because what what does that all do i mean those are you know talk about career risks um actually really fitting in an environment, getting the support you need, the sponsorship you need, and people also really seeing that you're working hard when you're working from home or that you're working really hard when you're working part-time are extremely important. And unless you, you're working in an environment where you feel that that is guaranteed to you, you basically are risking slowdown in promotions, slowdown in pay or pay rises, And I, I have to say, I do worry about that. And that is also going to have, again, an impact on the gender pay gap getting worse. Right. That makes that makes a lot of sense. So help us dive a little bit more into those types of more intrinsic risks that we don't always see. What are some practical sort of questions or steps that we can be taking to sort of uncover some of these risks in our own career? Yeah, I would say it really starts uh, with making sure, like you, you got to analyze this yourself. Are you in a role where you are valued? You know, are you getting the recognition for for what you are delivering? Because quite often we work endless hours, but are you delivering what is expected of you and what people are are desiring? Right, and I think you need to be very, very honest with yourself, like basically ruthlessly honest and say like, am I getting the recognition for what I'm delivering or am I just spinning my wheels here? And if the answer is I'm spinning my wheels, then I think it starts with honest conversations with your, with your mentors. It starts with the conversation with your, with your manager as well. You may not be in the ideal role for the setup you have, mm. you know? And I, the other thing I have to say that I found always terrible advice at the beginning of my career, when people told me to work on my weaknesses, mm. I thought, well, you know, and I did try, but I've noticed in my career that even if I worked really, really hard on my weaknesses, I still was only like maybe getting to 90, 95% of a person who had this as a strength. And when I changed the way I thought about my skills and what I was doing, uh, and basically started working toward my strengths, giving up the things that I'm not so good at and, and like maybe handing them over somewhere else and playing to my strength and doing more and more stuff that is within my strength, the perception that people had about me changed a lot. And suddenly my career soared. So you got to be quite mindful uh, of that. And maybe that gets us to another very interesting topic that uh, you may already have covered is personal brand. It's something that uh, I would say people are not always actively managing, particularly people earlier on in their careers. But as you progress in your career, you really need to understand what people see you, what is the intrinsic value that you bring or the intrinsic skills that you bring. So you need to kind of sit down and ask people, what do you think I'm good at? So I did this exercise and I can only recommend it to anyone. Please find a friend or a colleague Give that person about 10 to 12 names of colleagues, people you work with, people you want to know what they think about you. And have that person telephone them and ask for about five attributes, you know, just kind of adjectives, like, you know, 
structured, organized, warm, you know, analytical, you know, kind of short like buzzwords, right? And the reason I'm saying five and not three is because it's easy for people to throw out three and then they really have to think about four and five. And I spent hours analyzing uh, the spreadsheet with the answers, clearly completely anonymized, right? I just knew like 12 people uh, and got the answers and I spent figuring out what do people think about me? Then I started thinking, what do I actually want people to think about me? And how close am I to where I want to be, you know? So I think maybe the tip I should give you on the risk management of your career is your career is a project and you have to manage it like a project. It has to be part of your, you know, regular thinking. I mean, if you, I I get it, you don't want to do it daily, but at least once a month, you should kind of sit down a little bit and think like, okay, where do I stand? What have I done? Have I spoken to the relevant people I need to speak to? Have I showcased my work and my team's work? You know, manage it like a project at work. That makes a ton of sense. I, I would love to to circle back to you talked about knowing your skills, your strengths. So important. We actually had on episode 16, we ha- had Holly Framstead talking specifically about this. So if anyone's listening and realizing that this is a great way to uncover as well as mitigate some of the risk in your career by knowing your strengths and um, really leaning into those, please take a listen to that. One of the things that you had said about, you know, the confidence that comes with being at a hundred percent and not just always sort of falling short on your weaknesses compared to someone else's strengths is by leaning into our strengths, we can feel that confidence in what we're doing every day and then be able to welcome others around us who have strengths that we don't have, right? It's a great way to understand the teams that we build, whether they're intrinsic to our to our career or whether they're, you know, more of a matrix view out into our companies. Um, by knowing those strengths, I, I really do believe that you're really helping with mitigating that risk. And then personal brand couldn't agree more. Uh, Sue Thompson came in to talk about personal brand and and really how to cultivate that. Love your recommendation on sitting down with a, with a colleague and, and going through some of those questions. Thank you so much for that. Any other sort of practical step-by-step advice for sort of taking a look at the risk in your career? I think a lot of it is, I think it's, it's, unfortunately, I'm going to repeat myself here a little bit, is um, you need to actively think about your career. That's where a lot of people already fail, that uh, they they see it as something that happens to them, you know, and Mm. they're not managing it proactively. And I think you, you do need to manage it proactively. You can't just wait to be recognized for promotion. I mean, it's great if all that happens to you, but I would say to the majority of people, there is crafting, there is graft in there, right? You really need to work on it. And yeah, I think that's where it starts. Your career is for you to manage. I can't emphasize this more often. And then the other thing, however, I would like to say to people, because I see it a lot in the younger generations, is give yourself a break as well. And I don't mean like give yourself holidays all the time, but don't put this pressure on you that you feel like you need to be at X destination in your career by X time. 
particularly women, because, you know, I mean, I mean, you, you know how it is. It's like so difficult to figure out, okay, so now I started this job. When should I have kids? You know, at which stage in my life do I first reach a certain level of seniority or uh, do I have kids? And then, you know, it's like, how does that work? I mean, when I had my kids, people were telling me I was crazy because I was an associate at the time at JP Morgan. And, and most of the ladies around me, they were literally waiting until they were either MDs or very close to MD, you know, because maybe you could delegate some work and, and you needed to have established yourself. And they were like, oh my God, Britta, this is this is a suicide type thing. Mm. And yeah, it, it is terrible. But I think as a woman, we have that extra burden where we have to think about uh, reproduction. And, and, you know, men are lucky that, that they can basically, you know, don't, don't have to take so much time off. Or I think I see it more and more, uh, particularly here in Europe, young men actually also taking time off. Then that equalizes mm -hmm. us with the, from a gender bias perspective. But give yourself a break. Do not think that you have to be at 40 at a certain job. I mean, I wish... I guess for myself, I had done that, right? Um, I sort of reached this position, which in some ways, you know, CRO, chief risk officer, sort of, I guess, pinnacle of like a risk manager's career, you would want to say. Yeah, I reached it when I was almost 50. Should I beat myself up for it? No, I'm happy with where I am because I had also a great journey here. Should I have reached it at 35? You know, who knows? Right, well, and then... One of the things we talk about quite a bit on the show, whether overtly or it's just a part of the the dialogue that we have is around that work-life balance, right? So in this case, balancing something like ambition and patience, right? So understanding that there's time and place for certain things. And often we say it's a work-life balance, but I think the balance that we have in our own career for how hard we push ourselves is such a good reminder um, so thank you so much for that. And and maybe I want to say a word of encouragement in general on that one, because I was pregnant with my twin girls when I was 32. And I was attending all these conferences and, and, and women meetings, like women in trading and women in hedge funds, whatever, and all that stuff. And, and looking at and looking for a role model, really. And a lot of the very impressive women I met there on the panels, they really discouraged me because they were saying that they were, you know, they, they had made their career priority and they were also very firm in like uh, making sure that their husband was supporting them or had actually made the conscious decision to be with someone who was in a smaller job or a smaller career. And at the time, my husband was pursuing the same career I was pursuing. So I knew there was no chance of me convincing him <laughs> to be sort of my support husband, you know. And, uh, and, and I felt really discouraged because I could not find a role model that worked for me. Until I actually got to London, and then it was probably like about 2013. So imagine my kids were already like, you know, seven years old at that time. Oh, actually, I'm a little bit older. I met a lady that was about to retire. She was the, the head of credit risk at, at RBS. And clearly with age came that sort of wisdom where she said, you know, ladies, you can have it all, but not all at the same time. Mm. 
and then gave us some examples around, you know, maybe it isn't the best time in your career to pursue this big promotion when your kids are toddlers, <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe when you're coming back from maternity leave, uh, instead of getting frustrated with your peers getting promoted, maybe take a sidestep and learn a different skill to then later make the step up. And it was the first time I could identify with what someone said, because there was clearly someone who had had kids herself, you know, who had a full career and was, you know, going into retirement. And I was like, yes, this is sort of, this works more for me. I'm because I'm a sort of a normal woman. You know, let's, I mean, normal, I mean, sorry, this sounds terrible, but I meant normal in the sense that I had a husband who was also pursuing a career. I did not have a supportive husband or supporting husband. And I had the kids, you know, and I at some point worked part time for a few years. So I see myself as, uh, let's say, the average person, right, that should be able to be successful in life with persistence, right. clearly. <laughs> sorry. But but it took me a while to find a role model. So also, please don't despair on that front. Just because you may not find someone who is like you early on, uh, you may find them later. And that's why I'm also saying, please give yourself some slack. You don't have to be a superstar at 35. You don't have to be there necessarily even at 40. At 40, I didn't even know I wanted to become a chief risk officer. I'm very honest with you, you know? Mm. Right. I love this bit of encouragement um, from the perspective of this podcast, because I, what I think it provides so many of the folks listening is a lot of different types of role models. People have gone about their careers and their lives and their work-life balance in all these very different ways. And so I encourage anyone listening right now, if there's someone that you have heard, you've you know listened to on this podcast and you would like to know more about their story, reach out to me and you know we'll try to set up a, a conversation, a virtual coffee or something like that so that you can really understand more from, from some of our guests. I know a number of them have offered and or we can have them back on to answer some of your questions. It is, I think, so important to have the right role models for the right times in our life. So thank you so much. And I think that helps us also because they might be able to tell us some career risks and sort of life risks that we're not seeing in ourselves. So that is such a great reminder. Britta, we have come to sort of our last question that I ask all of our um, guests on the show. I'm a writer of fiction. I love both stories as well as nonfiction explorations into new ideas. What are you reading now, Britta, that you would recommend to our listeners? I, I used to love reading fiction. And then uh, about a decade ago, I switched to a lot of nonfiction. Uh, I personally read quite a lot about sort of, let's say, nutrition, the gut, the microbiome, you know, some of it mm. uh, borderline scientific a book that I would highly recommend, particularly to women, because it also fits extremely well uh, with this topic, is The Hundred Year Life by Linda Grattan. And uh, I've met Linda at a seminar where she talked to us about basically sort of careers. And I found it very, very interesting that uh, there's, there's clearly a lot of things changing in our lives, technologies influencing our careers, uh, geographic changes, geopolitical, etc. But the one that a few of us actively think about is age. And that in the future, we're all going to be living quite a long life. 
You know, we have great healthcare in most of our countries. A lot of ailments can be prevented and cured now. And most of us don't have these fantastic pension benefits anymore, like the fine benefit pensions that some of our parents and grandparents had. So a lot of us have cash pots and cash savings that need to last till the end of our life. And our lives, on average, I guess, according to Linda, are going to be about 100 years old. I personally set myself the goal of 102 because I figured if I wish for 100 and I die right after. So I kind of want to give myself a bit of extra time. And this is the last bit of encouragement, I think, also for women. And why timing is is uh, is, is it don't why you shouldn't like try to get everything done at the same time is because we have a high life expectancy. So your career is no longer this sort of like a 30, 40 year time period. Think of your career as a potentially a much longer time period. It could be the time period between your 20s and your 80s, you know, and then in the meantime, what do you do? You, you reschool, you retrain, you maybe take some breaks uh, and think about career difference. So I would say it's not the easiest read because she's a scientist after all. But I do think it is very inspiring. And I bought over 24 copies of this book. I've given it mm. to uh, <laughs> to senior senior people. I've given it to, to my teams. Uh, I, people have read it. They have made changes in their lives immediately. It was really interesting. So I would highly recommend this book for anyone. Oh, I love it. Thank you. We will absolutely be putting a link to that in the show notes. Uh, that is a new one for us on the show. And just a a very excellent perspective when we start thinking about the risk in our life and the longevity of our life. So thank you, Britta, for your time today. I really enjoyed our conversation and I'm so thankful you are willing to come on and talk to us about risk. Thank you. Well, thank you very much uh, for the opportunity. It was very interesting for me as well to sort of talk about risk in the career, uh, you know, summarize my thoughts around that was actually also quite interesting, I have to say. Great. Thank you so much. And thank you, our listeners, for spending your time with us. I hope this is not just information, but you let it be transformational in how you think about your career. I'm rooting for you. To find out more about diversity, opportunity, and events in the exchange-traded fund industry, please visit womeninetfs.com. And while it lasts, be sure to grab your Thrive Guide, on becoming the leader you want to be. You can download it at with a K, christinedelano.com. If you haven't subscribed to We Talk Careers podcast, please make sure you do so. And if there's a topic you'd like us to tackle, let us know. All links are in the show notes. Thank you for listening.